Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. I'm joined today by author and underwater photographer, Paul Myla. The books are just gorgeous, and trust me, after this interview, you're not only going to want to read the books, I think you're going to be booking a vacation. Paul, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for being here. Oh my God, these are gorgeous. I'm like sitting here booking my next trip. <laughs> and you took all these pictures? Uh, yes. <gasps> um, I combined the writing with the underwater photography. Oh my gosh, these are just one of the reasons why I chose to write about sea turtles, besides the fact that I love sea turtles, is that they make great subjects. <laughs> as they long pose as, for They you, pose, huh? they do. As, as long as you don't go out of your way to harass them, they'll hang around. If they're eating a sponge or whatever they're doing, they'll kind of ignore you and just go about their business. Really? And uh, it's one of the sea creatures that you can get close to and get, get some great shots with. So That's so yeah. funny. That, what's the worst sea creature to take a picture of? Uh, probably, uh, I guess a shark would be. Okay. Oh, <laughs> if you're, we got a big shark up here, but uh, if they go through quickly, sharks are rough. Uh, moray eels. Moray I'm eels go are through, rough. Uh, depending if they're uh, cooperative that day. They have their own personalities. Okay. So it depends on what they're doing. You have to take your cue from sea life. Sea life, the same animal, can be very different one way to the one day to the other, which is why it's a good reason not to get too close to a sea animal because you don't know what kind of mood they're in. Oh yeah, well. And one day the moray eel that someone is petting. Uh -huh. might take their finger off the next day. Ooh. So that's why <laughs> you have to watch out what you're doing. The sea turtles look lovely. Well, they do. tell me a little bit how you got to become a, a, a photographer and an author, and that's quite a... Well, um, I always enjoyed writing, even as a kid. I was one of those kids where, you know, math to me was like Greek. Forget about it. But <laughs> writing, I could do, you know. So I always enjoyed that uh, and be, became part of my professional in business. I was a, a writer, for a business writer, so I did a lot of that writing. And uh, on the photography side, um, I'm not, uh, I was always behind the camera with my kids. I was like video dad, you know, taking pictures and whatnot. And I always enjoyed doing that. And uh, someday I said, well, someday I'm going to retire. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'd like to write maybe, you know. And about that time, I started scuba diving. Okay. And uh, I got to love that. And I said, you know what, maybe I can kind of combine the two. Uh, so I started taking pictures as a diver and got more experience as, as a diver and also as an underwater photographer. And um, eventually uh, the books kind of said, you know, I said, what am I going to write about? Well, the scuba diving gave me a good idea about what to write. I, I began to meet people, have interesting experiences. And I decided to kind of marry the love of writing with the adventures of scuba diving. I love that. And uh, that's where it was for a while until the idea for the uh, kids' books came along much right. later. And by that time, I had gotten to be a little better at, at uh, underwater photography. So um, that's how that all kind of evolved. 
Wow. Okay, so your other books, we have them all over the set here. You have a whole fiction series, Killer right. in Paradise, Dangerous Waters. Those came first. They came first, right. Okay. There, was, uh, there was Near Miss, there was Whale's Angels, Fireworks, uh, Near Miss, and... Um, Dangerous uh, Waters and Killer in Paradise right. I see over your shoulder. Right, right. So those came first. They came first. Um, and then uh, there was Whale's Angels, Near Miss, and then finally Killer in Paradise was the last one. Okay. So... Um, and then, was, and then, since you were so good at taking pictures, you decided and you to take do children's books. Well, so. actually, that came out of nowhere. I was at a book signing show at a scuba show in uh, New Jersey called Beneath the Sea. It's an okay. annual event they have every spring, and uh, I was approached by Best Publishing Company, uh, who was looking. They do a lot of underwater medicine, hyperbaric medicine books, okay, uh, and some professional other diving related books, right? And they said, you know, we're thinking about starting a children's series. Would you be interested? And it was totally off my radar. I haven't even thought about it. Wow. I said, well, maybe I could, you know, I have a lot of pictures. I like to write. Maybe I'll take a crack. So I sat down one night with some pictures and ideas and stuff right. like that and uh, came up with the idea, well, I have tons of turtle shots. What can I do with in the idea of a turtle book? Right. And um, I had a lot of angelfish shots. Uh, angelfish are one of those sea creatures that, um, yes. uh, again, are easy to take pictures of. And they like to hang around with turtles, believe it or not. Oh, okay. It's kind of a symbiotic relationship. Turtles like to eat sponges and things, and they nibble the sponges, and little pieces of sponges go floating around, and the angelfish like to eat those, so they kind of hang around with the turtles. So I had great turtle shots, great angelfish shots, and I said, okay, this, this is an idea now. Now what can I do for a story? And I always was, uh, as far as thinking about different storylines, uh, I always enjoyed the movie South Pacific and the play South Pacific. Oh, sure. And the idea of, um, uh, you know, you, that song, You've Got to Be Taught to Hate and Fear or whatever. Okay. So I said, okay, we have these different looking angelfish. Maybe they aren't getting along because they don't look like each other. Uh, maybe this wise old sea turtle can teach them a story about uh, if you get to uh, know each other, you'll get to like each other. Oh, I love that. So uh, this so, is a children's so, book with so a that message. So that has a social theme for kids. Oh, I love uh, that. Because Harry's angelfish friends all look very different from each other. But in the story, Harry teaches them that even though they look different from each other, they are more alike than they realize. And if they get time to know each other, they'll like each other. So that was the social message behind that. And it's gone over very well. A lot of kids have loved it. Uh, parents love it. Teachers love it because it teaches a, a nice story without being overly um, pedantic or, you know. Right, right. So it, and entertaining. So that's how that, that came about. Fantastic. So, so you had the photos first. You're, mm -hmm. you're my first author that developed a storyline Looking at his photo reel. I love that. <laughs> Things backwards. That's okay. <laughs> exactly, but that's okay. So you had the photos first, and then you developed a story with a social theme. For that one, yes. Actually, if I, if I get this order correct, you had a publisher first. In this case, yes. That's hilarious. That, that's totally different. So yes. you had a publisher so, first, then yes. you looked at your photos, then you developed a story with a social theme, and right. then we have Harry Hawksbill helps his friends. Right. Fabulous. Now, Gracie Green Turtle is your newest children's book. This is beautiful. Thank you. And uh, tell me about how well, this one evolved. What happened is that the publisher said, you know, we'd like to make this into a series. So what can we do for a series? So I said, okay, well, we were already in with, you know, turtles and stuff like that. Uh, what would be good for the next idea? Well, a couple of things that have been really in the news, all over the news in the last year or so, you know, global warming, uh, ocean conservation, plastic in the ocean, things right. like that. Okay, uh, maybe that would be a good lesson for kids to learn in, a, in an entertaining way, not hitting them over the head with preaching about this stuff, you know, but make it interesting for them. And sea turtles, uh, I found out along with studying sea turtles and having seen them quite often, 
I found out that uh, they have to return to the beach where they were born to lay their eggs. Okay. So I said, okay, we have a lot of social, a lot of uh, scientific themes here. Right. Uh, one of them could be beach erosion. Oh. Okay, Gracie gets to the beach, and guess what? The beach she's been searching for to lay her eggs after so many years is now gone. Oh, gosh. Because when they, when they were born, they don't mature for about 25 years. Mm -hmm. So it's 25 years until they come back to lay their eggs. 25 years, a lot can happen. Right. In this case, we have beach erosion. So she comes to the beach. She comes back 25 years later, and she knows where the beach is? It, yes. Uh, nature, when they're born. What and a they, GPS and they're, and they're, system she has. Kind of like that. It's kind of, uh, it's, uh, when they're born and they're crawling along the beach, there's something in the Earth's magnetism that corresponds to something in their body. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it kind of imprints on their body that this is where this beach is. So they'll and go in off, the whole world, they can find that They'll beach go off 25, 25 years, years travel the oceans, but they somehow know when it's time for them to go back to lay their eggs, wow. and they follow this internal guidance system, probably unconsciously. Paul, just you saying that and explaining it is a huge reason why we need to take care of these yes, things. Yes, definitely. I mean, every year there are sea turtles who have been waiting for a quarter of a century mm -hmm. to lay their eggs, and they're programmed. What yes. happens if they go to the beach and there's no beach? Well, that's the, that's the, the idea behind the story. Um, they will try and find another beach. Uh, sometimes they'll just lay in the ocean and, you know, maybe they'll go foul of that one year <gasps> and won't lay any eggs. Uh, but uh, but you want to hope that they lay eggs because the every nest that they make they'll lay about a hundred eggs, okay. and they'll lay several times during that season for that okay. cycle. So maybe they'll lay in one season seven hundred eggs, six hundred eggs. Right. But the odds of one turtle making it to become a mature, a mature sea turtle is one in a thousand. <gasps> so every hundred eggs that you see, the odds are maybe one of those turtles might make it. That's, that would be one in a hundred. But chances are they have so many natural enemies and so many other problems in the ocean that they have to confront that the odds are estimated to be about one in a thousand make it to maturity to be able to come back to lay an egg. One their eggs. in a thousand. So I'm, I'm just amazed at this point listening to you that we actually have sea turtles anymore. They're an amazing creature because over time they've managed to evolve and uh, you know the, the things that wiped out the dinosaurs, they figured out how to survive. You know, because they go back that long. They're almost like, you know, related to this in the same family as dinosaurs in some way. Oh so, you know, they've managed to figure out how to, how to survive. And unfortunately, the biggest threat today is us. You know, um, you have global warming, obviously, which has made high tides and stronger currents and whatnot, wiping away beaches, plastic on the beaches, uh, that, again, from us, you know. Uh, so uh, they get caught in fish lines, nets. Um, and they have natural predators too, like you know, sharks will eat turtles and things like that. You know, so the natural predators they can deal with. Uh, dealing with us is another story. So we have to make a lot of um, uh, changes in how we deal with you know the ocean and and, right, of you know, and nature itself, uh, which is why. And that little um, um, uh, bubbles up. Bu no, the one next to it, the oh, um, yes. the little card there. Flip a switch, make a move, save our turtles. Uh, in many areas where you have coastal communities. They've worked with people to say, turn off your lights at night because that'll confuse the turtles. They won't know where to go. Oh, really? Uh, when, when the turtles are hatched, they go towards the uh, brightest spot. And if the brightest spot is the surf, the white surf, foaming right. surf, they'll go to that. But if a hotel or a light or a, or a condo has their beach lights on, the turtles make a U-turn and go towards those lights, get stranded and die. Oh. So, 
I hope that all the hotels that are beachfront are listening to this. If they're in a turtle community where the turtles are known to, to, uh, to habitat, to, to lay eggs, they will. A lot, a lot of them will. Good. Some won't. But the, one of the issues is that those hotels may have also obliterated the beaches where turtles used to come up. Mm. So, you know, it's a balancing act. Horrible, absolutely horrible. Uh, I know you took some video. Could you take this and find sure. the still photos? I know you had some video that you showed me. I thought this was so fascinating for our viewers. That probably would have been this one. Um, here's the one that they are crawling up on the on the sand. Okay, that was on page 33 of the book. Um, and what happens is that when these turtles lay eggs, uh, they'll dig a nest about two, two to three feet deep, right. and it takes about two months for the eggs to hatch. So they'll lay the eggs, eventually go back into the ocean that night, and uh, this is a, about 100 turtles coming out from their nest. They're buried under the sand for two months, wow. and they'll make their way to the, uh, to the ocean. So out of these hundred, only one of them is going to live, maybe. Maybe one, maybe none. But oh. hopefully it'll be at least one. And out of this video, that's where this picture in the that's book this, came That's where this picture came from, Oh, yes. my gosh. Now, uh, do you have the picture underwater? Uh, let's see. see. There's another photo of the one of the turtles coming back back to the ocean, I think you had there. I had this one. Okay, that's, this okay one? That, yes, that's right here. Okay. Uh, get it in a second. On page 22. Yes, uh, this this shot was actually taken in Curacao. Oh wow! Um, we came along a sea turtle oh, that was kind of resting in a sponge. That's a huge uh, barrel sponge, which could be over 100 years old. Oh my gosh! And Look she at was, that. She was turtle. just kind of resting there, and um, we came along, and she kind of woke up and decided to you know go for a swim, and. Um, the interesting thing about the photo, as far as the quality of it goes, I was a little bit further away. Uh, lights don't make it past four, five, six feet in the water before the blue and the water blues out the light. Right, right. So that was taken uh, with, a, with a movie light that's not quite as bright as a strobe. Okay. Which is why the picture in the book is so much more brilliant. It's the same turtle, yes. the same sponge, but you can see how much more vivid this is because the strobe light, and I was very close, and the strobe light powers on right. and took, the, took a nice shot. But just, just um, seeing this turtle, what a beautiful animal. Oh, they're great. Look at um, that. That's a green sea turtle. And uh, even though it's, it's, the turtle's shell looks kind of green, their, their name comes primarily from the fact that their flesh is green because they eat uh, green sea turtles eat uh, seagrass and they're a plant eater. Really? So that turns their, 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 their flesh and their, and their bodies green, which is what their name comes from. Gorgeous. Now, with this book, did you uh, have the same approach that you went and looked through your photos and then made the book? Or yep. did you this time take photos especially for the book? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, I had the idea for the book and I had a lot of great shots. I had, uh, you know, from a previous book, I have been able to, I've been lucky enough, felt very privileged enough to be able to work with an ecological society in Cozumel right. where they know what, hatch, what, what nests are going to hatch. So you can actually attend a live hatching. Really? Of, Did you of, attend know, a live hatching? Mm, it was phenomenal. That's where those. <gasps> that's why they got such great pictures. Oh it's my difficult gosh. to get, get those shots. So oh, I was able to um, uh, work with them, and so I had pictures of a live hatching. Uh, so I had the idea for the book, and then on another trip to, to Curacao, I said, "Okay, whatever turtle books uh, shots I can get, I'm sure I can use them in the book." Right. So again, th this shot came up, and a couple others, and uh, we got some ideas for you know to put them in the book. Right. Right. So. Oh my goodness, so beautiful, absolutely so beautiful. And, and seeing them 
especially your video footage, really makes you want to protect them. Yes, you do. Um, you, be, you, you know, when you see them, um, especially when they come out of the water to, to lay in it, to lay their eggs, to make their nest, right. it's like watching dinosaurs coming out of the ocean. You know, they, they kind of like are very slow and they just kind of come up and... Well, how much does a turtle like that weigh? Uh, green sea turtle, a fully lo uh, mature green sea turtle weighs about 350 pounds. Wow. Uh, so and, and they have to move on the beach just with right. their flippers. So uh, in, in the water, they're weightless. Right. And they can maneuver very quickly. They can actually, you're trying to keep up with the sea turtles almost impossible. When they want to go, they go. Are they that fast? They are quick. They, they believe really? it or not. Uh, even against the current. You know, a human swimming against the current, you're breathing heavy, you're using your arms, your legs, whatever. Sea turtles just kind of know how to do it. You know, they're aerodynamically, you know, designed to, to go through currents if they want to go through a current. Uh, but so that's, that, that was phenomenal. Wow. And once they're on land, now their full weight, which they're not used to really, right. is on, all on them. And it's only the female turtles. Male turtles, when they're born, never touch land again. They stay at sea for the rest of their lives. Really? Uh, it's, the green, it's the mothers, the, the females, that do all the work. <laughs> okay. They're, they're the ones that have to get on the beach, lay their eggs, go, go back. And uh, watching a turtle lay their, lay their eggs is, is another phenomenal experience because they go into kind of a trance. They don't know you're there. And as long as you don't flash a, a white light, um, they'll just, you can use a, a red light because they, they can't see the red spectrum. Okay. Uh, they'll just go about their way and lay, lay their eggs. And, you know, you can just watch them lay their eggs. And then they will eventually cover the nest up cover, to protect it from predators and make their way uh, back into the ocean. And to watch them going back, you really feel for them because they're lugging their bodies so, you know, they're so heavy and they're pushing with their flippers and the and first stuff. time when they lugged up, they were pregnant. Yes, so they were even a little heavier. You know, yes. Well, they, they lay about 100 eggs, a clutch of 100 eggs. About each one's the size of about a ping pong ball. And um, so they're, 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 they're amazing creatures. And you creatures. were able to stand there on the beach and watch all this. Yes, it's, it's really, to watch this, it's, it's almost like watching something from another age happen. You know, like I said, they're almost like, they're, 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 the lineage goes back to the dinosaur age. So to see this, you realize you're watching something that's been happening for millions and millions of years, and it, and it keeps on going. You know, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. What can we do? I mean, we're here in New York. Is there anything we can do? Uh, in New York, well, obviously, don't throw plastic in the, in the ocean because plastic looks like one of their f foods. It could be a jellyfish. They eat jellyfish sometimes, some certain okay. species. Uh, sometimes they'll just ingest it accidentally. So you want to keep the beaches clean. And also, if you do see a, a turtle... Sometimes, you know, they have to stay warm. Okay. If, the, if the temperature in the water goes below 70 in the 60s, uh, they become what's called cold-stunned, which means they'll become lethargic and eventually just stop moving and die. Hmm. So sometimes they'll get washed up on a beach. If that happens, the best thing you can do in this area is call the New York Aquarium or okay. the Long Island Aquarium, and they'll send somebody out to take the turtle to their sea turtle hospitals and uh, care for it over the winter until they can release it in the spring. Right. So that's something we can do up here is, you know, on a beach, uh, if you see one on the beach, um, you know, call either the New York Aquarium or the Long Island Aquarium, and they'll come and, and take care of it, you know. And quite frankly, your, your comment about don't throw away plastic, be careful, not just, you know, into mm -hmm. the water, but if you're on the beach, it could blow in, mm -hmm. or if you happen to be near the water, or... Balloons. Even if you're inland, right. let's just take care of our trash. Yes, you know, forget the balloons that we'd like to you know, let go because they eventually wind up in the ocean, <gasps> floating in the ocean. Really, if you let go of a balloon, that could hurt a sea turtle. Yeah, because they'll, you know, it might look like a, to them like a jellyfish or something like that, and they'll just eat it. And you know, there, I've seen pictures on the internet 
of these turtles with, you know, with a, a balloon half in its mouth and half in its stomach, you know. So oh. it's, um, balloons are not sea turtle friendly. Okay. You know, so. Balloons, plastic, you got to chill out. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. What, what beautiful animals. Now, I know that uh, besides sea turtles, which look very, very nice and calm, you were recently with great white sharks. Yes. I'm wondering, is there going to be a children's book about great white sharks? There could be, because now, uh, thanks to the way that we did our dives, I have plenty of shark photos. Yes. Uh, shark photos are, are a tough thing to get sometimes, unless you go on a shark dive, because it's interesting. Uh, people think you see sharks all the time. Right. You really don't. You can go for, as a diver for a long time without even seeing a shark. Uh, you'll see them occasionally, but uh, there aren't that many sharks. In the, I mean, we've, we've wiped out so many sharks that there's, you know, there's not a ton of sharks left in the ocean. So unless you go on a shark dive, a shark feeding dive, or in this case, we were cage diving, uh, it's tough to get you know, a lot of pictures of sharks uh, on, a, on a regular basis. So now you so. have plenty of pictures. So let's take a look. What's going on in this video that you, we're going to see? Well, here? this video is kind of interesting. It's very interesting, actually. It was taken by uh, one of the young ladies who was in our shark cage named Sarah Scott of a huge great white. This was about 18 feet long. It was wow. an 18-foot female. Uh, and it was the largest shark, shark we had seen all week. And um, I was kind of hoping for a real close encounter. Uh, this one <laughs> you was close. You were hoping for that. I, you, you really were. Yeah, <laughs> after, after, after in the week, you wanted to see these things really up close. And this one was closer than I thought we might get. <laughs> uh, this shark actually circled us, swung back, and then decided to ram our cage for some reason, mm. uh, which was kind of the highlight of the moment of the trip. All right, let's watch this and see this shark hitting your cage. So you're in a cage right in, in, now. In a cage with uh, two other divers. and. Um, uh, this young lady was taking this video with her camera, and the oh, shark yeah, just turned, and all of a sudden, and I was taking still shots, and boom, it hit the cage like that. Uh, I got knocked back, so I was taking a still shot, and I got the shot, but it wasn't the shot I wanted. Okay, I was, you weren't scared? It happens, <laughs> it happened so fast, you didn't have time to be scared. Uh, after, after it was over, it was like, oh my God, but wasn't that great? <laughs> Really, I mean, I guess, but you know, I mean, we had confidence in our in, our, in the operator of, of the die of the uh, of the shark operation. Look at this. Um, Look at that picture. You yeah, were that, right there. Yeah, right there. And um, again, it happened so quickly that you didn't have time to react to it. You know, I, I just really got the camera up when I got knocked back from the impact and just got you know, uh, not the short shot I wanted, but it was a pretty good shot. Oh my but, gosh. Um, that's what we paid to do. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah, well, why we I guess were there. so. I guess that is what you paid you know. to do. But when I'm looking at a picture and like this, I'm seeing Jaws. I'm sure you've seen the movie. That was that was that was the moment. That was I would call it a Richard Dreyfus moment. Yes, that look was at the that. moment when that. Now, luckily, we felt we had a lot of confidence in our bars. that were pretty strong. You, know? <laughs> you have to be pretty confident. And and they, 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 they it was a very safely run operation. I have to say. So we we were pretty confident. So nobody was really um, uh, apprehensive or scared. Really, you know. When you see these things in the natural environment, they are so beautiful and majestic, and you realize they really have no interest in you. We had to actually throw some tuna on, on some ropes to try and get them interested to be near the cages. Otherwise, really? uh, they had no interest in us. I mean, they would come by the cage, look at us for a while, check us out, and, and go on their way being a shark, you know, whatever a shark does during the day, you know. Wow. Uh, but to get them interested, to even get them as close, we had what we call shark wranglers who had big chunks of tuna uh, sharks, a job I'd never sharks like to eat sushi, not prime rib for the most part. Although, I'll say great whites uh, will also eat seals, and there were seals in the area, which is why they're here at this time of the year. Okay. This is Guadalupe Island in Mexico. Um, and um, so to keep them interested, we, you know, we would throw these, or the shark wranglers had these big chunks of tuna on, on a string, 
And if the shark got it, you know, they would, they would try and pull it out of the shark's jaws at the moment, you know. But if the shark got it, there was no hook, so the shark could take it and have a free meal. Right. You know, so uh, that's how we even got them interested. Without that, they might have swam by a couple of times and said, see you, buy them off to really? catch, a, catch a seal or something like that oh better, gosh. you know. So, uh, so, so a group of divers in a cage is just not that appealing to them? Probably not, you know. And who knows, you know, they have all these electrical receptors in their, in their, in their, under their noses. So, you know, coming up against a metal cage mm. uh, could give them a little sensory overload. Right, you know? right. So uh, they weren't that interested in us. Now, if we were out of the cages, that would have been a different story. Oh, yes. And, <laughs> and we had strict, strict rules, you know, no body parts outside the cage, you know, because in past trips, divers might want to lean out or, you know, put their cameras and their arms oh, way really? out to get a shot. And that's where you could have an accident happen. So we were under strict rules, you know, stay in the cage, keep your camera in the cage because... <sighs> You never know what could happen with wildlife. I can't imagine anybody would want to put a body part out of that cage. Well, you'd be you surprised. Know. Photographers go to great lengths to, <laughs> to get good pictures. This is a, a great picture of... Um, well, that's the shot I got as soon as after the shark hit the cage, and I was kind of falling backwards. I was right. hoping to get a, a better composed shot, you know, right, the nose, right. the eyes, the mouth, the teeth, whatever. Yes, but yes. Uh, it was kind of like one of, uh, one of those uh, OMG moments. Yeah, know, yeah. You, oh, uh, my gosh. I'm looking at the size know, of so that shark. It was big. And then I had this yeah. other picture of you. Where is it? Um, here we go. Yeah, that was a picture taken of me uh, by Rich Salas, one of our other uh, photographers. Um, and I'm wearing that crazy hood because... You know, we're in three different cages taking shots of each other back and forth. Okay. And I've seen pictures of that, and I said, you know, you can't tell who's who. Oh, well, I'm going to know who I am in the picture. So I decided to wear a crazy colored hood. Gotcha. So if anybody else took shots, I would know, oh, that's me in the cage. You gotcha. Know. gotcha. So, and that's just how we use That's, that's the a great picture. Using. So we get to see you taking a picture of a shark. Right, in a very, th very thick cage, which was good. <laughs> well, I guess it's good that they are such big sharks because the holes in that cage... Yes, because you know, I've seen some, if you go to YouTube and you, you Google like shark in the cage, yes. you'll see some of these operations where it didn't go as designed and somehow the shark got to, managed to wiggle into the cage yes. or break through the cage and you know, it didn't go well for the diver or the diver did get out. But it, the, you've I seen, did see that YouTube video. I've seen some interesting, <laughs> which gave me, I was actually more concerned before we started diving with them because I said, I wonder how they're going to run this operation because I've seen those kind of accidents happen. Right. But the way they were doing this with the, you know, the strength of the cages and the fact that the cages were either all the way down or all the way up, not halfway where a shark could get tangled in some of the lines and wires oh, and yes, stuff I've like that. Oh, yes, I've seen those too. Okay. Um, I felt pretty, pretty confident and secure. And, and that. you're here with us I'm today. here. I made <laughs> hands, okay. fingers, toes. <laughs> every, everything's intact. So I guess you would do it again, huh? Uh, well, this was a bucket list trip. I think okay. once and done. You know, I, I, gotcha. I, I, okay. I always wanted to do this. I get I, you. I heard that uh, you could do it in South Africa. You can do it in Australia or okay. off Mexico. Mexico was the closest one, so that's where, that's right, where right. I went. Makes sense. And the long trip out with this, with the uh, little bit of uh, uh, uncooperative ocean. Oh, this wasn't like just a two-hour trip from the shore. No, this was 24 hours on a boat going about 12 knots uh, through the open Pacific, where you didn't right. see land, and you have these rolling seas. Oh. And after about 24 hours of that, I said, you know, <clears throat> one, this, is a, this is a one-way trip or a one-time trip. That's yeah, it. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's so it. Uh, that was uh, gave us more cause for concern than the sharks did actually. So. To your answer, it's a, I think it was a one-time one trip. One and done. One and done, on to the next adventure, whatever that. I don't know what it's going to be, but there'll be another adventure somehow. Well, you did it, and you can yep. check it off the list, and, and the pictures Check are, the bucket list. Yep. The, the pictures are amazing. Yeah, I'm thank just you. blown away by these pictures. Now, for all of us here, well, we, we certainly want to read your books, so where can we find your books? On Amazon? Uh, on they're on Amazon, uh, mylabooks.com, paulmyla.com, or just uh, if you go to Amazon and put the names of the, of the um, 
books in. Right. Uh, bestpublishing.com also, the name of the publisher of these books has it on their on their website as well as Amazon. So they're all on Amazon. So and as well adult as, books, uh, murder mystery with a, a scuba flare. Yeah, with a little bit of a, a globe-trotting scuba flare. I uh, love that. Because some of the, you know, most of the uh, adventures take place across several countries. So I tried to make it more of an adventure. You know, not Not just uh, scuba diving, but kind of a reality-based situation where right. uh, there were some things besides scuba diving in the plots of the movies, uh, of, the, of the books. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And you can find Paul's books on mylabooks.com. And uh, please be careful and not throw away trash near the sea. We want to protect those turtles. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for joining us for Once in Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing!